Luke's Gospel then, chapter 8, and I want to draw your attention to two expressions that are found in this portion of Scripture that we have just read. First of all, verse 25, we read these words, And they being afraid. They being afraid. And then in verse 35, we read at the end of the verse, And they were afraid. They were afraid. Now in the context, this expression is said of two different groups of people that were afraid. This is group fear. This is not individual fear. It's not just that one person in each scene somehow has misread the situation and somehow is afraid. No, it's not an individual misreading the situation. It's a whole group of people that are in that situation that are struck with the fear. It's mass fear. They were afraid. It was the common experience of the multiplicity of all the witnesses. It was human fear. And I dare say, if these men were replaced by other men who were put in the same situation, they would have the very same fear. So that's what we're talking about tonight, this fear that has gripped these two different groups. Now you do know that we are fearing creatures. We're easily frightened. We're given to it. We're prone to it. It is why God has to say so often in the Bible, fear not. Why does he have to say that? Because we're always being afraid. Men are afraid of many, many things. Ultimately, it is because of the entrance of sin. It is sin that has brought fear into the world. I think before the fall, there was no fear. There was no need to be afraid. But after the fall, fear commenced. You remember whenever God made Adam and Eve, they made the man and his wife, they were both naked. They weren't ashamed. Their minds were not out of sorts. They they weren't disturbed or alarmed in any way. Not, Not even by their nakedness. They had no uncomfortable feelings, no uncomfortable fears. But then after they sinned, God's voice was heard in the garden. And what did they do? They were way off to hide. And whenever God called Adam, what was Adam's excuse? I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. That's the first time we read this word in the Bible. And it's after the entrance of sin. It's after they apostatized from God. That's when the fear commenced. And this fear came because of the approach of God. I heard your voice. I knew you were coming. And fear gripped me. This is a fear at the presence of God. This is a fear in those who felt stripped, naked, exposed, and terror in their souls before God. 
And it was a sense of his sinfulness, Adam's sinfulness, and a sense of the awesome holiness of God's presence that produced this fear in their hearts. That's the human fear in the first being afraid in the Bible. Afraid of the presence of God. And you meet it many, many times in the Bible. You remember Moses? He came near to the bush and then he heard the voice of God out of it. I'm the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. Why? Because he was afraid to look upon God. This fear in the presence of God gripped him. Job said something similar. Therefore am I troubled at his presence. When I consider, I am afraid of him. Psalm 119, verse 120. My flesh trembleth for fear of thee. And I am afraid of thy judgments. This is a man of God. This is a man after after God's heart, David. My flesh trembles for fear of thee. Remember Isaiah when he got the vision of God? What was his response? Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Very obviously, he has fear that has gripped him. A sense of his sinfulness in the presence of infinite holiness. So this is a common experience of men when they come into the presence of the Lord. And this fear in Luke is that kind of fear. It's a realization that you are in the presence of the divine. A realization that you have just seen something of the majesty of God. We want to analyze this fear tonight in both cases. What is this fear in the human breast in these two groups telling us? Now let's examine each scene briefly first of all and just get a clear picture in our minds of each situation what is happening. Now there are two stories There's a story on the Sea of Galilee and in the boat. And there's a story on the land of the Gadarenes. Each story relates a storm. There are two storms. There's the storm on the sea, of course. But there's also a second storm in a man's heart. Legion. A storm in his life. A storm in his nature. He's a demoniac. He's possessed. And all these demons possess him. And we can only imagine the storm that is going on within him. So there are very clearly two storms here. And in the midst of these two storms is the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes into the midst of both of the situations. And he shows himself Master and Lord of the both of them. That's the thing. 
He shows himself the Lord of the storm. The first scene is described in verses 22 to 25. We're on the boat now. The Lord Jesus is there with his disciples. He's asleep. This great storm has come. And they're afraid. There are two fears here. One's in play and the other one is stated. There's a fear in the storm. They're terrified. He's asleep. The water is filling into the boat. They're in jeopardy. And it's obvious that they're struck with terror. And they have to come to the Lord Jesus and they wake him up. Master, Master, we're perishing. They're desperate. You can feel the sense in the words. They, they double the Master. They say we're perishing, we're drowning. They're filled with terror. Now it doesn't say they are, but Luke's painting it to show us that they're terrified. They think that they're going to drown. Now that's not the fear in our text that we're speaking about tonight. This is another fear. This is the fear of drowning. This is the fear of perishing in the Sea of Galilee. This is a fear of death. A natural fear. And if we were in the boat, we would have that same fear as well. We're going to drown. Oh, the big fear would grip us. We'd be terrified. We fear dying. We fear going through the process of dying. Fears grip us. And then the Lord does something mighty. What does he do? We told her in verse 24, he arose from his sleep. He probably stood upright. And he rebuked the wind. And the raging of the water. There are two miracles here. He gives two rebukes. He commands the wind and then he commands the sea because if, he, if the wind stops, the sea is still going to go on with the momentum. So he has to do two miracles. He stops the wind and he stops the waves moving about as well. He stills the storm. And it's a wonder to them. Their fear of drowning has been dealt with. They're not afraid of drowning now. They're not afraid of perishing now. There's a stillness on the sea. It's like a great calm. There's a great peace. But this peace imparted a new fear. They have a different terror in their breasts now. There is a terror after the storm. Verse 25, the Lord has rebuked them. Where's your faith? And they being afraid. This is a fear after the storm. They being afraid, wondered. What manner of man is this? It's not a question. It's an exclamation. What manner of man is this? What kind of man is this? He commands the wind. It obeys him. He talks to the sea and it listens to him. He has power over nature. What kind of being is he? So you can see that they have this new fear. They're gripped with a sense there's more than a man here. There's a sense of the divine. There's a sense of the awesomeness of God. There's a sense of the majesty most high. They sense deity. They have seen it. They have felt it. It's evident that they are in the presence of God. They witness divine authority. 
the command over nature. There's no man can do that. That's creative power that commands nature. That's the power of divine providence that commands nature like that, that calms and stills the terrible forces of the world around us. It's like the creation. God spake and it was done. And these men sense deity. That's what it is. These men are in the presence of God. And they're conscious of their sinfulness. They're conscious of their lack of faith. They're conscious of the rebuke that they just got from the Lord. They know that they're not holy. And they dread this presence. They were afraid. The second story is related in verses 26 through to 37. This Gadarene, he has a storm in his life. A storm, I remind you, that men could not stop. They tried to chain him. He was kept with chains. He was bound. But what did he do? He, he broke the chains. He always was set free of the confinement of men. And so men couldn't still the storm in his life. They couldn't help him. They couldn't sort out his problems. And that storm in his life made those people afraid. There's two fears in this story too, you see. The fear that made them bind him with chains. The fear that made them confine him because he was a raving madman. He was dangerous. He was frightening. He was horrific. They were terrified of him in the district. This is a man you wouldn't like to meet in a dark night. And this is a dark night, by the way. But you wouldn't like to meet him. You wouldn't like to cross his path. The, the hairs on the back of your neck would just stand up in the very presence of him. You'd be terrified. So you can understand the fear of the local population around this man. But the saviour of sinners stills the storm in the man's life the Lord defeats the devil just like he defeated the wind and the sea. He displaces the demons and he sends them into the pit of darkness. And so he releases this prisoner from the prince of the world's dungeons. And the man is transformed. And the storm in his life is stilled. And there's a great peace and calm, as great as the peace and calm that was on the Sea of Galilee, that now is the peace and calm in his heart, in his life, through Jesus Christ. So inwardly and outwardly, he is like the Galilean Sea after Jesus spoke to it. Christ can do in his rational creatures what he can do in the elements of the natural world. This is a wonderful thing. Now the fear of the people will have been removed, won't it? They'll see this man and the storm stilled in his life. They'll not be afraid of him anymore. You would think that they'll have peace as well. When they see that this dangerous man now has been calmed and restrained by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. This terrorist is no longer a terror through God's good grace. And so the people come to see the change. The people have gone out and told them the story and how he was 
you know, healed and what has happened. And people come to see, verse 34, they saw what was done. Uh, uh, they fled and they went and told it in the city, in the country. So a lot of people are coming back to see what was done, verse 35, and came to Jesus and they found this great, great sight. The man, out of whom the devils were gone, the storm had departed, he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, he was clothed, he was in his right mind, and they were so glad. No, that's not what it says. They were afraid. Afraid. Not afraid of the man anymore. They're afraid of something else. They see the change and they know what has produced this because it was told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. So an old fear has been replaced not with joy and gladness, but with a new fear. This calm in this man's heart, like the calm on the lake of Galilee, that instilled fear in the apostles, that calm instilled fear in the men and women of Gadara. Why are they afraid? It's because of the power that has done this. It's a realization that this is the power of God. It's a realization that God has come into the storm, that God has been on the Sea of Galilee, that God has been in the country of the Gadarenes, that God has worked in this man's life. And they are afraid, just as Adam was afraid when he heard the voice of God in the garden. They have that same fear, a dread of the divine. Jesus did it. And they see Jesus. They see that he's a man because he has feet. The demonic is sitting at his feet. They see that he's a man but they have the sense of what manner of man is this. He has the power of God. So they're sensing a divine presence. That's what Luke is bringing out. He doesn't say it in so many words. He, he does all the painting uh, and we have to draw this out as we enter into the drama. It's the sense of the, the majesty of God Gripping them. A sense of God in the country. A sense of God in the boat. These are sinners, remember. Even the apostles are sinners. They have no faith. And they're in the presence of a holy God. That makes you afraid, I tell you. Godhead veiled in humanity. But something of it has been manifested in the mighty deeds. And they're terrified of Christ now. What manner of man is this? Now the fear is similar in each situation. But there is a difference. A very important difference. The apostles have faith in Christ. The apostles are with Christ. They're accompanying Christ. They are believing in him. However small their faith is, at least they had the faith to wake him up and to ask him to save them. 
So they have a faith in Christ. They have a trust in him. They fear and tremble, but they believe. But the Gadarenes, they don't believe. They have no trust in Christ. They don't love Christ. They don't know Christ. They don't bow before him. While both groups fear, there is a different response. The fearful disciples, they, they still keep on believing in the Lord Jesus. And they continue to go with him to Gadara. But these Gadarenes, their fear causes them to tell him to go. Depart. We don't want you. And so we read in verse 7, the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear. There it says it again. Go away. We're afraid of you. You're a terror to us. Leave us. Leave us alone. He listened to them and he went into the ship. And he returned back again. It's a fear. So do you see the emphasis on the fear again? It was great fear. It says there in verse 37. And in that fear they wanted Christ to go. They were more terrified of Christ now. Than they ever were of the legion. Before Jesus healed them. There's not much of that fear about today. Sinners laugh at the church. Sinners laugh at Christians. No fear, no dread. The bold talk of atheism. The reviling of the body of Christ. The church today hardly even makes people feel uncomfortable. Never mind afraid. There's no terror today. Why is this? It's because men and women... We are not in times of revival. That's why. When revival comes, when the Holy Spirit comes into a community, when God comes, His presence and a sense of His presence permeates society. And what happens is sinners become afraid. Afraid. A fear comes into the community. Now if you read books about revival and accounts of revival and everybody who's written diaries and related it in some way or other, there is one factor that continually pops up. It is this. There was a sense of God in the community. There was a sense of the power and majesty of the divine. And people were afraid. They were afraid. Because when God comes, sinners are afraid. We're not in days of revival. We don't see very much of this today. In revival, even sinners talk about a sense of God. Yes, today we have an odd conversion. The Lord's working. That's true. Here and there, there, there's something happening in a small way. But there's not an outpouring of the presence of God on a community. When a community sees sinners being converted, people like this demoniac of Gadara, when sinners see this taking place and many sinners being converted, the people next door being converted and someone over there being converted, it grips them. And they begin to wonder, am I going to be next? 
God comes and the people sense this and they're, they're afraid. They sense the wonder that has changed their neighbors. And they might be next, as it were. They, they fear this power coming into their lives. You see, this power works on your inner life. This is a power that works inside you. And sinners don't want that. They don't want to experience that. They're afraid of that. They're afraid of the approach of God. And having to repent and having to turn. And your life being changed and you becoming good living. They're afraid of that. People don't like that change. And they certainly don't like it being caused by the gospel. Uh, They drive it away from them. That's one explanation. They don't want this change in their hearts that has happened in the Gadara. They don't want that disturbance to their life that makes him sit there at Jesus' feet. They don't want to become that. They're afraid of that power. Another reason for the fear, especially in the people of Gadara, seeing that they don't want this change and they don't want this conversion and they don't want the gospel, they dread that judgment may come in its place. You see, whenever they have this power of presence of God in their midst, revealed in Jesus Christ, and they don't want it, they sense that, well, that means judgment. Because you're resisting the divine, you're resisting God, and you know you are, and oh, the judgment will come. You know that inside you. And that makes them afraid. Resisting the change, resisting the faith under the repentance that is necessary, resisting the Holy Spirit, resisting the revival, resisting the move of God. And they are afraid because their resistance is a token that the judgment of God will come upon them. And they're afraid. And that's what's happening here. You see, they're not only looking at that man sitting on Jesus' feet. They're looking at all those pigs that are drowned down there in the sea. And that judgment and that death and that destruction that has come in the presence of Jesus. And they're afraid. We don't want to be the man at the feet of Jesus. Neither do we want to be the man in the deep, in the darkness, in the judgment. And so they just want him gone. Go, go, go. They know if they won't be converted, they'll be condemned and judged. You can't escape that knowledge in revival, you see. This all grips the mind and and sinners are afraid. Whenever we read of the church and the Acts of the Apostles, we read such things as great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And you remember that of the ungodly, it says, none of the people would, would dare join themselves to them. There's a fear in the community. Because Pentecost and the Holy Spirit has come down. Well, we need another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's what the church needs, you know. We, we're not going to strike fear into sinners. We can't do it. It's only the approach of the majesty of God that can do it. And our business is, is to pray that God may be one who comes and visits us. That the Lord would come and that the mountains would melt down at his presence. And that the fear of the Lord would be getting into the community. So what does this fear tell us then? What is Luke telling us when he so carefully paints this for us? Well, he, he's telling us that 
This Galilean is God. He's the Lord of glory. He's the Lord of nature. He's the Lord of creation. He's the Lord that commands nature and works in the human heart. He's the Lord over devils and demons in hell. He's the divine redeemer. Mighty to save. It also tells us that we need not dread him. They are afraid because the divine presence makes us afraid as sinners. But faith drives away that dread. So that we approach Christ like the the demoniac of Gadara did. And so we don't need to dread the Lord Jesus. Though we have a great sense of the divine majesty. Because of faith. And if we repent and turn away from our sins. He is in a human nature. Yes he has the divine majesty. But he has come in the form of a man. Not to damn us. Not to terrorize us. But to save us. We see God in the face of Jesus Christ. And in faith. The dread is gone. And we believe in him. Because he has to come as God. But he comes in grace. He comes in mercy. He comes veiled in humanity. To take away our sins. And if we trust and believe in him. And if we see his grace by faith and receive it and possess it. He says to us who do not tell him to depart. He says to us fear not. Only believe. Believe. And so we trust him. We're like the twelve in the boat aren't we? Trusting him still. Because we see the gentleness of God manifest in flesh. And we don't have to dread him. Even though we're sinners and we have little faith. We don't have to dread him. So faith teaches us this. But then sinners who won't believe and who won't receive the grace. And who reject Christ. And who won't see the gospel In him and through him. They will be judged. Because they don't want him. They they drive him away. They have no faith. Only terror. And they drive him away. And they have a sense of the judgment to come. And that's what they'll experience too. Because it's not in the driving away of Christ. That we escape the judgment. It's the embracing of him. In the faith of the gospel. That we escape it. And it also tells us. That we we definitely need revival. We need the Lord to come. We need the Lord to empower the church. To pour out his Holy Spirit. We need the Lord. To descend into the community. In mighty power. With his presence. So that the whole community. Senses the presence of God. So that sinners begin to react to that. We had our open air last night and there wasn't, there wasn't a reaction. There was just the usual complacency. There was no 
response at all, hardly. Though we were glad that there, there were those who listened and some that were friendly. We need divine power to come so that the community begins to react. When God comes, there's a reaction. That's what I'm saying. When we go out there on our own strength, there's not. There's not. And so the response will be in fear to say, what must we do to be saved? We need to be saved. We need to escape the wrath to come. How can we be saved? And so the fear produces perhaps that. Or it produces opposition. It's no longer complacency now. It's opposition. Go away. Depart. We don't want you. And it's going to the council. And going to the police. And whatever they can. To get rid of us. That's a reaction. And it's driven by fear. By fear. And that's what we need. Brethren and sisters. The church of Christ put so much effort into so much that's a total waste of time. We need to pray for the presence and power of God with us and in the community. And that God himself would come down. We need to pray for a pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So pray for the Holy Spirit on the church. They were afraid. Let us leave it there then. We'll seek the Lord and then we'll come to the table.